What's up, podcast? Welcome to the Kish Soccer Podcast. We are joined today by our very good friend, Nate Baker. Uh, Nate is a really good friend of the pod, a really good friend of mine. He is originally from Bowie, Maryland. I uh, grew up playing for the Potomac Cougars. Uh, he went to high school at St. John's College, where he graduated in 2003. I uh, went on then to play at American University in the Patriot League in Washington, D.C. He was there from 2003 to 2007. Uh, he also coached at the United States Naval Academy from 2012 to 2016, and he went on from there to coach at Omaha, which was from 2016 to 2018. He ended up moving back to the area, which is where we kind of reconnected, and uh, he ended up coaching for the D.C. United Youth Academy with the U-17 team from 2019 through 2020. Um, brings us here to where we are today, and I know I left your, your playing career post-college out of that, Nate. So fill me in, fill in uh, anything that, uh, that, I, that I missed. And uh, thank you for, for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I, I'm, I'm offended. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, sometimes I want to forget. Uh, but uh, yeah, I played four years in the USL um, and the second division. Uh, three of those years were at the Harrisburg City Islanders. Uh, we won the the championship my rookie year in 07 uh, and then I went on to play for the Real Maryland Monarchs in 2010. Uh, both those clubs are no longer with us anymore so kind of uh, a relic of USL past but yeah. uh, um, coach of that Real Maryland team is our current U20 national team coach Anthony Hudson and had some really good years in Harrisburg that were fundamental for me. Met my wife and I met a lot of friends. I didn't, I didn't know that's where you guys met. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, those four years, it was, you know, for your pod, it was it was it was college without the schoolwork, uh, mm -hmm. just a lot of playing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that was that was kind of the in between, and then I then I got the coaching bug and went with it. So. Yeah. And Nate is uh, a hot commodity this week, being on a couple other podcasts. So we, uh, we're, we're happy to have him. So, uh, but no, all, all jokes aside, uh, Nate and I have really gotten to know each other really well over the last couple of years, kind of interacting with each other through uh, our work with the DC United Academy. And, um, you know, a, a guy who's really passionate about college soccer, who, uh, you know, played division one college soccer at American and kind of grew up in the, in the DMV area. So I think this will be a really good pod just to provide some, some awesome value for the listeners out there, the players, the parents uh, about how to navigate the recruiting process and also the experiences that he had, um, you know, how those are unique in the game. So, but I want to get right into it, Nate, with it, with a really big question. I think a lot of our listeners are, uh, are listening or are, are wondering about, which is going through this current pandemic, this COVID-19 situation, like, what do you believe, you know, players can be doing right now if they're not playing, they don't have live games for coaches to come out to, um, you know, they're not, they, things just aren't normal for them. They're not going to showcases, big tournaments, camps, you know, they don't have the camp options. What do you believe from your experience players should be doing to continue to push their recruiting process forward? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's extremely multifaceted. Um, the situation that we're in, um, and difficult one for those that are rising seniors, rising juniors in high school, and um, even rising sophomores. Because one, we don't know kind of what this looks like 
you know, moving forward, certainly we've already, we know what it was. You've lost the spring, um, a pretty important moment on a summer for ID camps and all the like. Um, but my best advice is uh, you have to control the controllables right now within this uncertain time. You can't control when you'll be able to be out on a field again. You won't be able to um, do these sort of things where you're projecting into the future because it's an uncertain future right now until we know more. Um, but what you can be doing, uh, in my opinion, uh, as, a, as someone who's recruited for two mid-majors at the D1 level is that you need to be trying to be respectfully in contact with the coaches and the programs that um, you are most interested in and cast a wider net than maybe uh, you would personally like, but would probably benefit you down the line because it is so uncertain. Um, I think for me, it was when I saw someone's name come through my email um, once, I always did my due diligence, but if I, we get, you know, as a college assistant um, or a head coach, like you're receiving tons of emails uh, and tons of video and tons of links and stuff. I think the best way and what you should be doing is uh, staying in constant contact with the coaches, developing relationship. Um, some of you that are further along in the process where you're closer to like a commitment in these ways, you should be trying to see how frequently you can maybe catch a phone call with either the head coach or an assistant that you kind of caught on with or had the majority of communication with. If you're someone that's a little bit, you know, behind, not behind, but like you maybe don't have as much assurities or have had such uh, earlier connections. I, I really think you should be hounding your club coaches and for video uh, as much as possible um, there's a lot of just cheap editing or just free editing tools online. A lot are just being offered because of the pandemic. Uh, there might even be a free class out there um, that you could do. But And if you don't have a program or you're having trouble with it, um, a lot of people in your age can help you along with it, right? So I think the biggest thing is to put together some kind of video that's like three minutes long that shows your best traits, your best characteristics, um, not too long. And certainly, certainly start with the best stuff, right? Because, I mean, a lot of the work of a college coach right now is this kind of work. Like, how am I going to deal with, you know, the recruiting classes of the future? Certainly, they want to see you play live. But that, you know, again, this is not something they can control right now. So the more information, the more times you're respectfully um, in their conscious, you know, and then you're thinking, they're thinking about you and you're communicating with them. So the better off because once this all settles down um, and once you're back out in the field, maybe that's the exclamation point that gets you into a school versus like you're having to see or some school is going to have to discover you blind and they're way behind their process, um, which everyone else is because of their specific situations at each school. Cause each school is different. Some, some are willing to take a chance early on video. Some um, have to get it right because of um, scholarship, aid, and whatever else. So for me, it's just control the controls. And then what you can do is stay fit, stay sharp for when the moment comes. Obviously, do your work on your own, uh, but certainly have videos, have 
have if they ask for a 90 minute have a few games that you really think like highlight you over the course of a half or 90 minutes or 80 minutes or whatever it is and just be in constant communication and then ask for feedback you know just continue to find continue to find new reasons to talk and to to, to share information that would be my best advice no i think that's great and uh similar to what we've been suggesting and you know certainly what what i've spoke about on several of the webinars I've been on and, you know, podcasts and people that have asked me or when I've had to answer that question, you know, the only things I'd add in is like the um, virtual tours, so doing virtual tours if possible. And then, um, you know, trying to just do your research on the back end so that whenever this thing ends, you have a clear idea of this is, this is my top school. This is my second choice school. This is my third choice because you've done enough research to that point um, you know, to, to make that decision. The other thing that I say is you can still go visit the school. You might not be able to interact with the admissions department or the coaches. You might have to just drive through the campus, but see what it's like to go visit the school, see what you can get away with, you know, walking around the, the campus or whatever it is. And, um, you know, visit, take as, as much of a, uh, a visit as you can. So, uh, how do you see COVID affecting recruiting and college soccer long-term, like what are your predictions? You're kind of a guy that we always talk about trends in college soccer. So how do you see this affecting it outside of like, obviously Cincinnati, Appalachian state have already you know been cut on the men's side. Unfortunately, what else do you see coming if you had to predict? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's, there's much to kind of figure out in, in the coming weeks. And this is kind of, kind of fits into that nice bucket of the uncontrollables right like uh, I think you're still contacting everyone if someone's not responding back to you it's not a slight necessarily they're just dealing with other stuff right now because they are wondering are we even playing this fall um can it be pushed to a spring uh if we're completely cut for a year like are we cut like there's a lot of programs in those similar positions and um certain types of schools State schools are probably uh, in a little bit more trouble than um, your liberal arts, private type institutions, um, just because of funding and how that works. So, um, but each insist- institution is different, and all the situations are constantly kind of uh, changing. I would say one benefit, uh, and I don't see this as like a good thing necessarily. I'm just saying this is a trickle down of some of the legislation or just like how hard it is to travel during a pandemic is that um, the trend has been um, a lot of schools have gone very international heavy with their, with their playing uh, with their players. Um, And with doing that, you're, you're pushing a lot of your scholarship money towards them um, because it takes, usually it takes a good amount of money to um, get someone from overseas or somewhere else to come and play at your college or university. So um, in that, in that way, like it should open up more opportunities, uh, for American born, uh, players, um, to play the college game. Um, so that's a net positive. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think what, what, what Mr. Kish said was correct. Like you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta be doing your homework and doing these things that like going on virtual tours. And if they're local schools that you can even just walk around or do a drive, through visit like as much as you could possibly do um if you're if if you everyone should sign up for fafsa and and see and go through all the process um 
proper like financial aid and academic aid. If you're looking at a state school or you're looking, a lot of them offer a lot more aid specific to the school. When I was in Omaha, they had tons of tons of programs for both in and out of state students that when added up would, would be a huge chunk and allowed us to really build kind of a pretty large squad because there was all this ancillary money that um, we were able to kind of uh, stack together and make it easier for a kid to come to school. So those would, those would be my, my little suggestions and little things I see coming, but it's hard to see what's coming. Yeah, I agree. No, that's, uh, that's spot on. And I agree on the, on the foreign side. And um, yeah, as you said, there's a lot that you just don't know what's coming. Um, can you give me just kind of a, as you go, if we go back in time and we look at like um, your recruiting process. So when you're at, you know, with Potomac Cougars, when you're at St. John's college or, 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, take me through like your college recruiting process and what you remember, and then also why you settled on American. Like, what other choices did you have? How was the process for you? Obviously, it's changed a lot to how kids get recruited now. But like, yeah. what do you remember from that process? Um, you know, mine was uh, a little interesting. I I had kind of a I was probably thought to be one of the better players in the state, um, at state of Maryland at the time. And, uh, so I was, I was getting some looks at some of the top schools, or at least they were coming to come watch me play at some of the bigger events. Obviously there was no Academy when I was playing, there was youth club. Um, and a lot of it was dependent on the events you're at or if you won your state and your regional sort of thing. So exposure was, was earned in a lot of ways and some some years you wanted some years you didn't so um and we also had maryland odp which was you know the way you gained exposure um and and made yourself up in the ranks and you go on your state team you move up to the regional pool and and that's kind of was the feeder for the national teams but um yeah my, my process i hurt my knee kind of in the summer of my junior year which was at the moment like a pretty difficult uh, time to do it because there was a lot of schools maybe from outside this area. Um, I remember like a Bobby Clark from Notre Dame at the time really was pretty interested and wrote me a lot and um, feeling pretty gutted about that. So again, this controlling the controllables um, piece came to me. I had tore my MCL pretty bad. So I was out for eight weeks, but then, you know, I, all I did was consider the rehab and trying to figure that out and, and the process of getting back and, what ended up happening was a lot of the schools was a small amount of schools D1 that were interested in me still at that point were ones that had a history with coaching me in some capacity before. So you lean hard on, you should lean hard on your coaches, um, both the ones that coach in college, but the ones that are have coached in college or, or, or established tons of relationships in college, because a lot of times that can be the end. Um, and I, I think I'm pretty fortunate. I was part of, the time a very good club team that had the assistant at Maryland at the time that was a coach and then he went on to Wisconsin as the head coach and then the assistant at American became my club coach so the three schools in the end that were had offered me um you know somewhere in aid uh to a spot on their team was the University of Wisconsin uh University of Maryland and American um and then then it got down to like, what were my preferences? And 
I, I think I think we could group those into a few. You know, you're, you're talking about what the team looks like, the level, um, national prominence, uh, competition for spots. How quickly could I get into the team potentially? Um, Maryland at the time didn't graduate anyone. I would have been the one guy they would have brought in. Um, so that would have been difficult. Um, I wanted to stay close. Uh, so I would say like you're, you're thinking about soccer stuff. American at the time was a top 25 program, went to the NCAA tournament. Um, so they were a good program at the time um, and doing very well. And that year won an NCAA tournament game that they hosted. So it was a big program. Um, so in Wisconsin was like far away from home and cold <laughs> and I didn't know anything about it and I wasn't ready to go out that far. So in the end I was limited uh, to the schools. There's some that were tangential that were kind of interested, but at the end you want to go somewhere where you're really wanted and you're needed and you feel that vibe. And then I think like it has to be a good personal fit. Uh, not just, let's take this the soccer team culture kind of vibe and the players kind of out of it right now, but like what the school is, you know, what, what it kind of represents uh, and stuff like logistics, like how far do you want to be from home? Um, for me, I, you know, I went to high school in Washington DC and Americans literally down the street. So um, I wasn't really far from home, but far enough away to have and create kind of the, take this next chapter of my life and have the independence. I didn't really want a big school. To be honest, I'm I'm kind of an introverted guy. I, I I like smaller classes. I liked um I like the academic side. Um and just I, I like the small enclosed campus through the visits, whether I was going to watch a game or my official visit at American. Um so I I had visited Maryland and I visited American uh before I was gonna take a visit to Wisconsin and then realized I really loved what the, the icing on the cake is like what I just alluded to, like kind of what you sense and smell around the place. Like mostly that came from all the guys that were a part of the team. Um, they made me felt feel welcome, uh, valued, and they were genuinely interested in like connecting and staying in contact um, before I committed, after I committed, um, and all the way up to my freshman year, we were already becoming great friends and I'm not sure that's everyone's experience when they go on an official visit you know a lot of times when you walk in the door you're seen instantly as like you know an enemy because you're maybe coming in to take their spot or um it's very uh it's very harsh uh the reception you get in these sort of environments so for me like it felt right it felt good and, and I didn't even go during a time where there's like a, a lot of kids on campus it just it was like fall break I went and caught a game, so it wasn't like 100% the experience that you, you you wanted to feel like going to a class and stuff like that, but um, I knew it was the right fit for me, uh, just from like, if the soccer didn't work out, I knew that I could really enjoy my four years there, um, and you know, it, it would overcome any any hardship or any issues with the soccer. Certainly, soccer was a major part of it. I thought I could, you know, come in quite early, and but it was a great team. I thought, like I said, it was a top twenty-five program in the country at that time. So, um, yeah, that that was kind of situation small pool because the situation, which is not unlike you guys, 
as well, some of you in this situation, obviously the, the differences are quite drastic. And um, the only thing that's like a, a little bit of similarity is like my senior year in DC, there was the sniper, which shut down almost all, all of my high school season that year. And high school used to be a thing too. And um, which put a damper on some stuff for a lot of kids. But in the end, um, yeah, I think what what's important is, do you, can you see yourself at this school, like without the soccer kind of piece there? If you are lucky enough or go on a visit, do you feel welcome? Do you feel valued? Do you think the staff and the people and the players went out of their way to like make you feel welcome during that moment? Um, usually that's a pretty good indication that, um, you can make it work even if it's a tough uh tough ride but like you can make it work and and it's a place you could really enjoy over four years no it's uh and that's kind of my big message a lot of times too or all the time really is it's just like you know when you know right you 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 feel it when you feel it and you visit four or five schools and um eventually you're going to get on a, on campus, a campus or speak, or speak with the speak with the staff or have an overnight and you're gonna be like that's the one that feels right that one felt felt like the right one I don't think it's always going to be you know even for, for, for an individual or a family that um, you know the finances plays such a big part a lot of times it won't be you know the finances or the scholarship it ends up being like where do I feel the best and I'll work the rest of this stuff out later on um, sometimes it's not even the the feel of the soccer team it's like where it's just the overall feel the best and that's where I'm going to end up going I think the guys that get into trouble and girls that get into trouble are the ones who, you know, they make the decision for only one reason. Like the soccer was great that I'm heading there just for the soccer, or I really like the, you know, the, 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 I just like the, the campus and the, the location, but then there's so many other things that they feel they understand go into that, the lifestyle there once, once they get there. So that's a, that's a big one. Um, so, so you yeah. end up, can I just say yeah, one more thing? Yeah, just, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, college, <laughs> uh, so certainly I, I was fortunate. I was able to accrue some scholarship at American and that was a piece of it. But also like, yeah, I had, I had, I grew up in a middle to upper middle class family. So it, my situation is not going to be perfectly aligned with some of the situations of, the, of some of your listeners. But um, I think, yeah, you got to find the right. I fit because you're, you're this is for massively important a lot of your cement starts to harden and your values start to come out and the person you become it is you know so you should be really really excited about the place you're going for more than one reason to your point and um it should be a bunch of places uh and i i almost wish i, I cast a, a wider net like that i that i had looked at d3 programs and 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 d2 and d1 and just really really kind of not felt like because one of the things like i'm just going to play d1 you know like i didn't have to didn't need to um not sure it, it just it really just depends on the environment and the program and the, the culture of the place you're going to and, and if you enjoy that and you can really grow in those moments that's the most important thing and certainly everyone has pro ambitions and they want to do these things but if you don't enjoy your your time, then like the pro stuff is washed away because 
there's no way you can grow if you don't feel good about the place you're in. So you think you could have been a pro? No, you think you could have been a pro without going the Division One route, knowing what you know now? Yeah, I think so. I I I honestly do because just my route to becoming a pro had nothing to do with the school I went to. Um, Yeah. You know, when I was trying to become a pro, like they had combines you you would pay for down in Florida you go to, and that that maybe opened up a door too, just because people saw me play. But man, it was it was just going to these 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 clinics and tryouts where you paid money during spring break or whatever else to kind of get into a team. It was only my father drove me to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for a nine o'clock session with Harrisburg where we, we trained with guys that were actually signed to the team. And, and I feel like they had, they had a real need because of their budget to find guys who fit at value. And they had guys that played at D2, D3, D1. And this is, I mean, there was only six guys who played professional soccer at that point on that championship team in 07. So, and they came from everywhere. You know, some played at Penn State, some played at, you know, at a, a lot of Patriot League schools, but a lot of them, you know, played at D2. Like we had two guys who played at Messiah, um, you know, the big, massive D3 program um, just outside of Harrisburg. So in the end, like, <laughs> I don't, they didn't see game tape of me at American, you know, like, um, or anything like that. It's It's not like that was the process. So in the end, I love my time at American, so yeah, I, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. But at the end, I wish I would have been more open to it. Even even that the place I ended up coaching at later, the academy was down my street. I had no idea what a service academy was. The more you can educate yourself on these different types of opportunities that are out there, um, the better. Um, and it just again, it's better to cast a wide net and in and in, in a very uncertain time and just collect as much information as possible. Uh, and if you're mature enough, maybe you can seek out some more, you know, more information about these places. And um, it, might, it might lead you down a doorway that uh, you'll, you'll really enjoy, you know, so. How yeah. much did being a student athlete going through that experience, you know, going to college yourself, having to go through the recruiting process, help you to become a successful recruiter uh, you know, with Navy and Omaha and, and then also with the Academy of helping players to kind of sort through the process themselves. How much, how much of that would you attribute to kind of you going through the experience yourself? Yeah, I, I think, I think my experience as a player and someone being recruited and someone going through college or even the club process before that, um, and even the pro game after, you're just building up tons of experiences and trying to figure out like, what does this all mean? Um, what, what, you know, and then I got the coaching bug. So it was like, yeah, I noticed, I noticed that a lot of the qualities that, that were really important for guys who did well at American and uh, of the guys that were really highly touted coming out of the state of Maryland at the time and the guys who stuck and had good careers after um, a lot of it was just, you know, psychological traits and mentality and these sort of things and just being really tough that allowed them to sustain, um, during uncertain times and, um, allowed them to push through. So certainly uh, coaching at a 
two different types of schools, like the U.S. Naval Academy, a service academy, um, where it requires a certain, you know, profile of person um, in a lot of ways, and then transitioning to a school that's kind of on the different side of the spectrum, um, and a state, you know, a, a state school with a program that was eight years old, or an athletic department that was eight years old at D1 level on a soccer program that was eight years old and built from scratch. Uh, you th think that there would be a lot of differences in what you're looking for um, between those two schools, but in the end, no, I mean, you're, you're certainly you're looking for things that fit into, uh, you know, your, your profile, what you want at your school and your style of play on the playing sort of things, but you need a real mature kid to kind of navigate this 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 new adventure which is college and you need very honest um my mentor and person that maybe had the biggest impact is, on me as a coach is dave brant who's a coach at navy when i was there and he always looked for what he called sincerity of heart you know um the kid could be slightly immature or maybe from like a different background but if you could sense in him um that he wanted what um what we wanted what we demanded within our program whether it was a cultural vision a playing vision um and they wanted that deeply and that they were sincere enough and certainly we would we would just you know we would watch them in games and the moments where you can really check on people's attitudes and their their mentalities and is in the moments where they they can put their guard down you know when things don't go right um, the goal goes in, how do they react? Um, when a player makes a mistake that leads to a goal, how do they react to that? Certainly we're looking for high quality players, but there's so many players out in this country and now the pool is so much bigger with, you know, all the international kids that come in and, uh, take up spots that, you know, for me, it's, it's fundamental, but certainly differentiators are like, how can this guy navigate the college experience that is maybe so unlike anything you've you've really dealt with before from a maturity standpoint and me so we looked a lot for guys um at the naval academy but this that were fit that profile but we did the same thing in omaha because the culture the people the cultures you know were similar but people might be look different or be from different places but um the same kind of uh profile was there we wanted honest hard-working kids that had an attribute or two that we could develop um and we had success at both programs um you know first ncaa tournament omaha's school history uh in the d1 level um beating denver who went to a final four just before that and the naval academy we first national tournament in 30 years first national tournament win in 35 played Mr. Kish's Wake Forest team in the second round. Uh, that Definitely not my year. team. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we, 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 we beat Maryland in 14, and we were in the top 25 three different times that, that year. And, I remember that year. It was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, all to say, like, every school is different for what they look for. But for me specifically in those two programs, um, initially that's, that's what uh, the co coaches demanded. And, that's what I honestly, you know, I was kind of looking for guys that maybe were similar to myself in some ways, but maybe offered something different um, on the field. Um, so, 
Yeah, no, I, that was long winded, but hopefully that that caught you catch something there. Yeah, for sure. No, I think a lot of a lot of great stuff there, and I think the, uh, the sincerity of heart is really really interesting. I think it's just like if you can sense that the kid is is going to bring value to the program, and he legitimately wants to be there for certain reasons, then you go with it as you know as the coaches, as the recruiting staff, and then certainly I like that part at the end of. Uh, sensing something of yourself in the, in the, in the player you're recruiting. I think that's big. And uh, I think coaches, that's a big one too, because like if, if, if the you know, the coach who is recruiting you is trying to get to know you, he's trying to get to know the player and see his attributes and how they're going to translate to the field or onto the campus or whatever it is. So every phone call is an interview, right? Every email is an interview. When the kid comes on campus, it's an interview and you're, you're, you're constantly, you know, assessing that, that kid. If the dad calls you, then you're assessing the dad, you know, like you're going to have to try to, you're getting to know the dad. Like that's all it is. He's, you're getting to know the mom if they want to step in and be involved in the recruiting process. And that's something I see too often is like parents try to be the player's agents. They try to do the recruiting for the player and they think they're helping. I understand it, but they're actually, they're, hurting the process they're hurting the players chances because they're interrupting the opportunity for the coach to get to know the player and that that's something that you know I, I think there's a big education piece on that for parents is like your job is to support your son or daughter your job is to help them along the way when they feel pressure when they don't understand things when they feel overwhelmed when they need answers your job is not to call the college coach and be, a, you know, push your their, your son or daughter on that college coach and try to go to bat for your son or daughter. Like you're almost taking away and enabling them in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, yeah, the more you can, you can control your process. Um, it shows a maturity uh, on your part and, a lot of schools have a lot of options for the players that they're kind of looking at because the player pool is so large. Um, and, you know, there's only a finite amount of money, you know, so you're, you're, you're talking about these different spots you have that are occupied. And a lot of times what's the finding factor is like, can I trust this kid in our team? Is he an honest kid? Is he going to work hard every day? Do we think we can develop him because his personality traits align? Can we see, like, you know, he might not get on the field his first year or maybe first two years, but, like, will he be a force for good within our culture and what we're doing and then, like, play a huge part later on? Will he have the maturity to kind of go through two years of maybe not playing? Like, these are the sort of things that have nothing to do with the game but have everything to do with building a team. So, um, yeah, you have to be very – I mean – don't be uncomfortable talking to coaches and don't be something that's not you, but just be very respectful and, 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 and sense, you know, both ways. Like, are they super inviting to you? Like, are, are you getting the right feel? Because probably you don't want to go to a place where you don't get the right feel, right? Like always lead and think uh, and rely on that gut instinct in the, in the middle of your chest, because if you get a bad feel, like, there's something your body's trying to tell you in that moment. It's already um, off to a bad start, so don't let it get worse, right? Yeah, just 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 be you and just be, you know, certainly even if it's the worst visit of all time or the worst phone call of all time, say thanks for your time. Like, I really appreciate it. Um, look forward to staying in contact. There's nothing wrong with that. But, like, in the end, 
Yeah, they want to see maturity. And I think, you know, when the parents do come into play, uh, Nate, is is when you do have, like, we used to do, like, these group visits at Navy that were unofficial, um, that, like, the parents were there. Uh, and we wanted – because Navy is such a different type of institution, we had to educate everyone on what it was because a lot – we were trending towards kids that – had no idea about the Naval Academy. Whereas before when Dave was building the program, it was mostly kids that were interested in service academies that just happened to play soccer. So the dynamic kind of flipped. So a lot of it was just education to the parents and the players of what the Naval Academy was and what an every day in the life was and whatever, you know, all the obvious benefits, but then like the soccer stuff. So what we saw on these unofficials or even the, the visits where the parents came and picked them up or, or we had interactions with them is <laughs> how do you treat your parents in that presence? Are you like kind of embarrassed? Are you yeah. kind of like putting them away? Are you, mm -hmm. are, disrespectful. You, are you disrespectful, kind of a prick like mm -hmm. that, that, that's like, if I saw that, like no chance. Mm -hmm. um, and even got to a point in Navy, like when we had these unofficial uh, visits and the players were heavily involved in our visits because it was really important to us because they were just as important as gatekeepers to the culture as we were. And they were going to be around them and probably see the, you know, the kid in, in a truer light than we would ever see him. Right. So, you know, having their feedback say like, listen, this guy was on his phone the entire time we were in the room. He didn't try to engage with us. He was, he was kind of standoffish. Uh, whereas, you know, this other guy, like he was laughing, he was having fun. He, he looked a little awkward at times, but like genuine, uh, we like him a lot, like seemed like he could be a good fit. And so it's not only the coaches that are looking at this stuff, like if the culture set right at, at an institution, um, the players are evaluating, evaluating you too. Um, so just be your truest self, but be one that's honest and respectful because in the end, like this is, this is, this is a major determinant whether a program uh, is giving you money or a spot or anything else. Um, Cause there's so many players. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's big time. Um, I want to dive into like recruiting at Navy, kind of what that experience was like for you, what made it unique from other, other schools, even if you want to dive into like um, the culture on campus, the requirements, you know, to even get admitted. Those are all things that I think I'm really interested in. And I think the, the listeners would be fascinated with like how unique that experience is and uh, kind of what you said earlier of like, just education on what, you know, a service academy is, the commitment that, you know, that is associated with playing there, but also some of the benefits and some of the things that I'm sure a lot of listeners aren't aware of. And, you know, the, the scholarship situation, the, the um, you know, the, the financial uh, benefits to, to go into Navy, things like that. Yeah, no, I uh, have to really rack my brain and, and remember some of the finer uh, intricacies, but I think I can get there um, because I did spend like a lot of time uh, with the actual admissions process and helping the kids all the way through. Um, and at Navy, it was a long and arduous and multifaceted process. Um, but start with like, what, like, you know, every, every year we, we, we were assigned a certain number of, of slots for the men's soccer team. It could be anywhere from five, six to maybe as many as 10. Um, and the benefit of being selected for one of those slots 
uh, is that, um, you know, you weren't going up against the, the standards of the entire school. Was, there was like standards that can be slightly lessened um, that could allow, you know, someone to get in. Certainly they weren't ridiculously low standards compared to what it was, but, but they were lower. Um, as first, you know, it was the SAT and ACT or whatever um, two-part score um, was, you know, I think a slam dunk was like, 1200 two-part and uh a's and b's on your transcript that was that was pretty good um and doesn't mean that like if you got 1180 you weren't getting in but it was a, it was kind of an art too like you had to list your players from like it might not be your best kid in your class but like he might need the most help so he goes here at number one and um one kid that got a 1500 and all a's like you can go at the bottom of your list because uh, probably don't have to sell him too much, right? So, um, so that was, you know, outside of all the process of finding the right kids and stuff, I mean, from the recruiting process, it was, we started reaching out to ones we really enjoyed. It didn't matter what level they were playing at. It could have been the DA, but it, it could as much have been um, just like a local club team in the Mar Maryland state area, someone who was tearing up the high school, um, like, we we were we weren't stuck in one way. We were trying to find the best fits, and I think at a service academy that's important. Certainly, we we have real high character standards and standards for our culture and who we would let in and these sort of things. But we never limited who we would look at, um, so to speak, because of a certain level or anything like that. I don't know if all schools are like that. I don't think they are, but um, some are better at unearthing all the great talents that are in our country um, and not sticking uh, just to a league or something like that. Um, no foreign players? No foreign players, unless like um, you can be, there were like dignitaries kids that were at the school. So like there are certain countries where if like you're, you're the prince of whatever and, and you, you pay for it and you, mm -hmm. your government pays for it, and then you serve like five years in your own, you know, country's government. That did happen. There was, but like, we didn't touch that. That was never kind of a consideration in our process. But, um, and then it was, it was a matter of just like, you know, Dave, if we really like someone, Dave Brandt, the head coach, if you really like someone, he would write, write them kind of a novel, like of an email that like kind of outlined why we, why we were interested, all the, the unbelievable benefits of a service academy education, specifically at Navy, all the incredible careers, networking opportunities that come um, from being, you know, one of the most historically like important schools in our country. Um, it was a, it was so, a personalized novel, right? It, it was, yes, it was yes, why Nate was, Baker, why you should come to Navy. It wasn't yeah. copy and paste it and put Nate, dear Nate, copy and paste. No, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy the amount of time he, he put on each email. Um, Sometimes, you know, you begin to wonder, um, you know, why, you know, or why he didn't take uh, a copy and paste a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. But it's because we, we didn't like to work with a massive number of kids, right? Like if we really enjoyed someone on one or two occasions and we really liked them, then we would write them this novel. And then we, our process was earlier than most because of how extensive the actual admissions process is. So as I alluded to earlier, we would bring 
eight to 10 of our top kids with their parents to an unofficial visit weekend where they were allowed to kind of spend the night in, uh, in the hall with, with the player. Uh, they would pay, the, the, the student would pay for all their, their meals ahead of time and these sort of things. So we would abide by the different rules. Uh, I, I do think it's since changed that you could do some officials in junior year now, but um, at that time it was, it was very unofficial. So it was very educational. Um, we showed them everything. We weren't hiding anything <laughs> because it is a commitment. It is the commitment for your next four years and beyond at the Naval Academy. So, um, and the freshman year is unlike any other uh, at the Naval Academy. You come in early. Um, for basically your indoctrination into the naval uh into the navy um uh Nate, you there yeah Sorry, I think we're losing the connection a little bit. I don't know what happened there. Uh, you said come in early. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's there's yeah, they, they, we'd have them in early because um, our process, because the admissions process, we had we had to. So um, we were up front uh, with our top guys. We had the players involved heavily in the visit. Um, we get had players speak with the parents in different ways. We had we had panels for the parents and the players. We had different parts where it's just the players, certain parts were just the parents, both. We let the parents go uh, in the afternoon of that first day. And we did like a team night where we get to know the kids that much more. And by the end of these visits, you know, we'd end up having guys commit before they left the place, even if they never had, sure. um, had any thought that they would be going to a service Academy. Cause there's so many benefits. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, you, you're, it's a free education paid for by the government. That's, I mean, it's one of the top educations in the entire world, let alone our country. Um, you are, um, you're actually paid at the school um, to go there. They kind of mess with it a little bit, but like you, you make like a hundred bucks a month as a, as a, as a freshman and 400 as a sophomore. And it goes up to, you, you learn so much and you're also part of a company and all these. So you have your team kind of in the dorm and you have your team on the field and yeah, so much is asked for you. So it's not for everyone because it's, it's massively difficult. Um, there's a summer period where it's an eight week period where, you know, they shave your heads and the first half of it is about breaking you down mentally and physically um, and then building you back up for the rest. So you're ready and prepared to get into it. You have so many classes your freshman year, including a class, a quiz that you have to take every week with your company commander, uh, that you take for a grade as well. So you in theory have like seven classes you take your freshman year, whereas most colleges you're taking maybe a load that's like five classes of 15 credits or something, or like four classes of the minimum, like 12 credits. So you're eligible for uh, that season. So they're overloaded. Um, and then you have to play that fall <laughs> in the D division one environment. Right. So, uh, at a top program. So it's, uh, but in the end you, you can, you can 
a lot of the guys that come in don't know what they want to do after, but once they get there, we, in the five years I was there, we had five seals. Uh, and, the, and that's the most elite organization in the entire world. Um, and then you have guys doing unbelievable things. You can, you can, you can go one of a few different ways. Um, you can, you be, you can go on a boat or a ship. Um, you can go on a submarine, go to sub school and do that down Charleston. And, then, um, uh, there's specialized communities like seals and uh, EOD, which is like bomb diffusing and that sort of stuff. You can even, uh, go into the Marine Corps. Um, which is another community that we feed into, which is ground uh, or pilot. And the other one is Navy pilot. So some guys you have, you have, you, by the end of going into your junior year, um, you sign what's called a two for five, um, which is basically we will pay the remaining two years uh, of your education uh, for you to serve five years um, in one of these, and a lot of times, like you're just getting further education and what you're becoming, right? And you're getting paid, you're an officer in the Navy right out of school. So there's guys that are five years older than you that, you know, are below you on your ship or these sort of things um, in stature or rank. Uh, and you're making uh, starting salary. I think the average is like 77 coming out and, and, and only grows from there. And then if you wanted to be done after five years, you have the have one of the strongest networks in the entire country, guys working in fortune 500s and everything else. So the cell, and then you get them on campus and it's absolutely beautiful. You know, you get a good day um, where the, the sailboats are coming by and our field was amazing, just on the water on the Severn river. And it's hard not to be just kind of fall in love with the vision. So the, those visits were really important. Not all our kids came from that, but a majority of them did. And, we, we would be as honest and transparent as possible. And we would find that a lot of kids that never thought uh, that this was a route, um, it, it became their route. And they, they, they did not only well, they, they did really well. Um, um, and, and I think the other interesting thing is like what I alluded to earlier, some guys that like played four years for us, like maybe have one D1 offer. Um, and some others maybe were, you know, could have gone anywhere. Um, I think specific to both places I was at Navy and Omaha, we were looking for the right kid. And some of them, a lot of the kids in Nebraska, like we, we had, a, we have five kids in that NCAA tournament game that were from Omaha in the, in the team. So like, I don't think Nebraska is known as a hotbed for soccer in this country, no. but, and I don't think anyone, and even the school down the street, Creighton wasn't giving them the time of day. Okay, yeah. so you're thinking they probably, the majority of them, had one offer. And the guys that were also core, guy, you know, guys from Iowa, guys from Kansas, they're probably not getting a whole lot of offers either because there's just not too many D1 programs in that area. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, uh, you, you could be feeling really lonely right now because maybe you haven't gotten all the, the feedback from college coaches you would have liked, but it only takes one that kind of sees your potential and, um, thinks you're the right fit for their program. So, um, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Give me a, give me a sense of the volume you experienced at each school in terms of, you said at Navy, you work with a, you, you guys preferred to work with a smaller class, recruit a smaller class. Uh, I'm guessing that the population that was interested in you was probably uh, smaller, just a, a smaller number, just because it was a specialty school. 
and there's probably a lot of, uh, you know, opinions about Navy that probably aren't true or people don't, don't know how much it truly can offer and what doors it truly can open. And Omaha, maybe it was just that nobody had really heard of, you know, Omaha because it was such a new program. But, like, give me a sense of the volume of, like, emails per day, how many recruits you were dealing with in one cycle, you know, how often you were on the road, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Navy, we're pretty clean with our, our, our process. Um, as far as just like, there was a lot, there was a lot of emails, a lot of interest. Um, a lot of guys that were just, they saw it as the, they might not have even been close to the level, but maybe they played like in middle school and want to go to the Navy. So like, the, mm -hmm. you know, they, you know, so you get a lot of those emails and Dave to his credit would respond to everyone. Um, and I think the reason we did that is just uh, from a human perspective, like he always try to let people down nicely and know that, you know, I might not be here, but uh, you know, you have value. I think a lot of times like you gotta, you gotta kind of be emotionless with not receiving because some of it's legitimate. There are so many emails that you're getting. Um, day to day and it's just hard to get through it. Um, the ones at Navy were a little different because you had a lot of the kids that were interested in service academies and, um, and it was just American based players. So, um, whereas in Omaha, I feel like I saw so many videos of every player that ever played uh, in a different country than ours. Um, I saw, yeah, just the scope was bigger um, because, you know, the admission standards weren't nearly as high. Um, as they were at the Naval Academy. So um, just the, the gamut of players now, that was one kind of nice thing from a recruiting standpoint is that you kind of aim to be niche or niche or whatever um, that kind of wipes out a whole population of people and kind of focuses your, 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 your recruiting class a little bit more. And we did ID clinics and stuff. So I, I would also say before I forget, like if, if there's, if there's schools that you've really researched and you know, and you've had good conversations with the coaching staff and had good visits or whatever, and they're not quite ready, especially during this moment, I don't know what's even available um, as far as like these sort of things, but um, really be intentional about going to those, you know, don't, don't go to one because you think it's like they're going to have a lot of schools there and they could look at you or whatever, be more intentional about the types of schools you want to go to. So if, the one that has 20 schools at it or whatever, and like 10 of them are ones you're interested in, good, that makes sense, it's economical. But if like you were really interested in Navy and they had like an ID clinic, and we used to keep the numbers pretty small so we could really give a good look um, at the kids, we'd probably limit it to like 36, 40, whereas some of these are massive, right? So you have to kind of make a value judgment on can I be seen in a camp that has 200 kids in it um, versus uh, 40 and you got to do your homework have they recruited from camps before like does anyone really get through through their camps or is their camps just more of a financial revenue stream you know so this goes back to just researching and just making it so clear and almost black and white um the information you have so when this thing all clears up um yeah you can uh you can you can make the best decisions for you and your future um back to just the differences Navy, like Navy, we had a lot of money, um, just financial. So we, 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 we went to all the, like the major events and we, we were present at all the local events. We went to as many as we could. That made sense. We never put our team ahead of that. So we weren't like, 
recruiting on the road in season or anything like that. Um, for the most part, unless it was like a local thing, we could go catch uh, Omaha. The the funding and was a little bit slight. We weren't fully funded uh, until the last year I was there. Um, so we had to be a lot more, uh, you know, Jason Mims, my, my boss there was really locked in and had a lot of context. So this is why you got to rely a lot on your, your club coach or your, you know, if your coach has a connections or just like has a background in college, good, good chance. Like he knows a few people or knows someone who knows someone. And a lot of times that's the end again, relating back to my original story, like, I hurt my knee and my recruiting process was pretty much done because I, I wasn't healthy during it and no one could really evaluate me during that time. So the guys who knew me the most were the ones um, that were offering and uh, a spot on their team. So um, a little bit more complex. Certainly we really valued, uh, we, we had a real market in the Midwest that was just untapped. Like no one wanted the kids from Nebraska. No one wanted the kids from Kansas and no one wanted the kids from Iowa. So we had a really good culture of developing players. So we were gonna do that um, with those guys and find value. And it also fit into our culture, that Midwest kind of hard work mentality. So it fit there. But with Jason and Mike's connections, like we would find the right fits and they could be kind of from wherever. So about a third of the team was from Nebraska. A third of the team was from the Midwest. And a third of the team could be from anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, you start to build connections. I built more connections there um, than I had to at Navy because I, I probably – it was probably an easier process at Navy, if that makes sense, than it was even in Omaha, um, a school trying to sort it out, even though I had a lot to offer. Our stadium was incredible. Um, you get, like, 3,000 people to a game. We had a, a dedicated cheering – like, you could fall in love real quick with the program and what was being built there. So, um Every school has its advantages and things that you're kind of looking for. Um, their, their living accommodations are maybe the best I've ever seen ever. But like the apartments are like incredible. And this in the school was pretty affordable. And yeah, so I, I think when you're, when I was looking at both those processes, they were different, um, but they both had value. Um, and they both, again, surrounded around getting the right guys in the door um, with the right mentalities that could uh, develop. And I think one other thing about the state school thing with Omaha is that if the kid was local, we try to get him in and get him to graduate early from high school if it was possible. And I know Maryland, University of Maryland's done that in the past with a lot of kids locally. What was, the, what was the advantage for you? We would get a whole spring with them, right? And we get to develop them and they get used to the college game before they actually get thrown into the season because that – that's probably the most difficult part because um, it is such a different game right away uh, that you're being thrown into. You're, you're not only getting thrown into, you know, playing with guys three, four years older and a lot more physically developed and a, and a, a much, in, in theory, a much more physical game, a uh, different type of game than you're probably used to, but you're also having to manage everything from being a college student and, yeah. and getting used to going to classes and having all this, it's freedom. Yeah, that was a big one at Wake that I thought those guys did a really good job with. Um, you know, Jay Vitovich and Ryan Martin and Dane Brenner and the whole group when I was there. Um, Jay just had a vision of get the kid in to start developing him as soon as possible. Like, make him – let's get – we want as much access to him as possible. We want 
him to have that first spring. We want him, we want the kids here over the summer and we want to, you know, stay within the NCAA regulations, but uh, if they can work our camps and they can, they happen to play pickup that night, you know, it was like, it was such a pro environment, but it kind of stemmed from like, get the kid here as soon as possible. If you can uh, graduate early and you can become, uh, you know, a college, a Wake Forest college soccer player as soon as possible, that's a positive for us. But then you also saw like the big timers, they were also eligible for the draft early because they had graduated early. So they were, they were graduating in December of their junior or senior year, senior year for most of them. So then they didn't have to think about, well, should I stay in school or not? Like they were on track to graduate in December by the time that draft came up in their, in their senior year. So I thought it was brilliant and it took like, you know, just an incredible vision of here's how we build a program. We want every competitive advantage possible. And this is a big one is to get these guys in here. And, you know, if you're a senior in high school and you get thrown into a college environment and you're there for a spring, by the time that fall comes around when you can first compete, you're like, yeah, classes, no big deal. Yeah. Away from my family, no big deal. You know, I get to, I have to decide if I want to go to a party or, you know, rest up the night before my game, no big deal. Like they'll make the mistakes earlier. And by the time the, the preseason is there, like they're just they're ready to roll and they were just like machines. So Yeah, we had we had this uh we had this really really skinny, young looking freshman in that championship winning team in Omaha who was there the pre prior prior spring and it was our starting right back, got up and down, was incredibly important to that championship winning team and like even clearing one off the line in the last minute. So that final against Denver. And I just think about like, would he have even, it wouldn't have even been close. Like we wouldn't have been able to rely on him because there's just the amount of time that you have in a yeah. preseason to evaluate and it's a big difference. let alone acclimate. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a, you know, and that's something a state school for the most part can, can offer. Um, uh, and in my experience, that was, that was massive, especially for developing the local kids in the area and, yeah, no, I, Jay had done that a lot um, with kids, not only from. He's probably one of the first ones to do it, to be honest. I mean, yeah. Um, he's probably one of the first ones looking for competitive advantages like that. Him and Sasha would probably throw in there and Yeggs. The first thing Jay did when he took that job was that he went to the local club and he looked at all the teams that they had and they were like, yeah, you can coach the oldest ones or whatnot, whatever. It's like, he, he took the U13s because they, they had a group of guys that uh, mm-hmm. ready to be developed. And he that was a four-year process where they were like ball boys and whatever. And there's five guys off that, that club team, mm-hmm. the youth club team, that didn't get offers anywhere, all right, because they're in the middle of, you know, the literal middle of the country and no one, no one knows about them. And um, at that, that NCAA tournament game, we had, we had five guys, six, five or six from Omaha in the starting – lineup and I think uh you want to find schools like that that really value um developing and having having a culture of that and um certainly excited by the idea of, of developing because those will uh those more than not are the ones that are looking more at the the character uh, values that they can develop and maybe seeing like one or two uh bits that you have that they can further develop um so well, if you and if you grow as a player you're going to grow as a person too you know and that's a that's a big part of it is uh 
you really can't grow as a player if you don't find ways to grow as a person and, you know, off the field as well. So you want to be somewhere that's going to, they want you to grow and it's not just about winning games and, and everything like that. So no, that's, uh, that's good stuff. Um, I had a, a question for you. I want to shift gears into when you uh, kind of got out, uh, you end up leaving Omaha, your family moves back to DC here, uh, DMV area, Maryland. And uh, we reconnect and we get you involved with uh, the DC United Youth Academy. You end up taking over the U-17 uh, Academy team for the last year here, kind of leading into this pandemic. Um, but you've seen now recruiting, you know, from the inside for MLS, from an MLS Youth Academy. So after seeing that and then, you know, you've been on one side of it where you're recruiting the players and now you're on the opposite side where you're helping those uh, MLS Youth Academy players find the right fit. What are some things that stick out to you? Because I believe everybody thinks that every kid that we have at DC or that played for you for your 17s are like, yeah, I'm going to decide between Wake Forest and Maryland and UConn and, you know, UCLA and, you know, I'll take my time with it. And they have every, every, you know, their pick of the litter. And like you and I know that's not true. You know that it's not because they're not good enough. It's just because there's so much competition out there it's hard to get coaches to the games. It's hard to create a buzz. It's hard to fight past all the other players that are out there for all those different reasons. So what are some things that stuck out to you about pushing to get those kids into college, helping them to find the right fit, those sort of things, DC kids? Yeah, I, I think, I think you're, you're definitely right. I noticed this a lot at, at GA Cup um, when we were in Salt Lake uh, right before the pandemic kind of, uh, came through that was in February around President's Week, President's Day weekend, and um, the conversations I was having with a lot of the schools, like you know, Jamie Clark at Washington, or um, a lot, there's a lot of big programs there, um, and it, it was it was kind of twofold. It was like one, like you know, how many kids would be interested in even like how many are like looking to just play pro or do something like this, or I was like. I was kind of shocked by that, but I also, I saw how that fed the ego of some of our players too, um, or at least, at least uh, kind of tilted the perception of what was even allowable, like from, so it didn't suffer their ego. Like they had to be at a top D1 program that was ranked and has a history of putting guys into the national team and in, in the MLS, like, and I, you know, I, 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 I get how they can become so confused on, on, on chasing that and that status pretty much because they do play on the top team and, you know, the MLS Academy in the area. Right. So, um, at the same time, yeah, you hit it. Like, you know, wake is wake is going to pick the best players in the country and then probably have the pick. Maryland's same uh ucla is going to do the you know like it's going to continue on and um you can really impress a certain coach uh, like you need to make take extra time to make that decision and to really um really
You there? You there, Nate? It's it's storming like a mother over here. Oh, is it? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, can you, can hear, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's um, just storming by me. So I, I was just, I, where was I? I you were I, just saying like Wake's gonna pick the best kids. Yeah, no, and it's just, you know, you, you value yourself, but I think it's almost a fear of like not playing at one of those. Uh, I think you'll you'll understand that you're you're not defined by it. it's it's about the best environment you can you can play at a D three a D two a D one certainly everyone in my group for the most part was capable of playing at D one but I can't necessarily say that that was the best environment or some of the schools they were looking at were maybe the best fits or they were getting the type of feedback that they thought was thought was normal and and real feedback from a college coach is like uh an, a personal email written back to you that isn't directly talking about hey you should come to one of our camps that's 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 one thing but like real interest is like follow-up questions um uh setting up maybe a phone call coming to see you play uh and these sort of things so i think sometimes the kids confuse like real interaction whereas just like there's so many emails and you're like oh he's a da player let's get into one of our camps and again you have to start to sense these sort of things and not be so blind to it in the end because you got to find the right environment and uh school or this type of school or i got to play in the big 10 or the acc or these sort of things like there's tons of good programs there's tons of uh, and a lot of a lot of the best coaches are at these mid majors. So you you gotta you gotta find the one that fits best. And like I said, cast a wide net and and do your research, especially in this moment where so much is just up in the air. And um, coaches have to <laughs> figure it out and uh, as well. But if you're at top of mind and you're communicating regularly with these sort of schools and doing your research, you're ahead of most. Uh, I would imagine and. Uh, that will help you better just kind of figure out this whole process. Yeah, no, I think that's all, that's all well said there. And I think, uh, yeah, I agree with the, the DC kids and, and kind of the, the bubble that kind of surrounds them at times, right. Where college coaches always, you know, kind of reach out to me. I know as a guy that tries to help these guys and as a staff member where they say uh, who's still available, you know, like who, who's not going to go pro. And it's like, guys, when was the last time we signed 19 kids a year? You know, like we haven't had that, that type of homegrown class yet. So, um, you know, obviously if we can sign one kid a year, we're doing a really good job, right? Like we're, we're, we're happy and uh, you're, you're producing a, a player a year to sign a, a MLS contract. That's great. I think Loudon obviously changes a lot of things with players uh, getting some, some professional experience there and getting some other opportunities, but, you know, 99% of these players will probably right now go on to play college soccer. That's kind of the, the trend in most MLS academies. So yeah. um, that means they're available. But I think sometimes it's like these guys, they don't get as many looks as they should because, you know, coaches think that they're just, they're only on the pro, the pro track. But the flip side of it is our guys got to do a better job sometimes of, reaching out and not thinking that it's just going to come to them and that it's just going to get given to them because you're a 
DC United or a Philadelphia Union or an LA Galaxy player, you still got to go after it. You still got to express interest. You still got to find the right fit for you. And a lot of times what I see happening is that elite players, players that play in high, high level environments, they think it's just going to come to them. They realize it doesn't. The, the first team contract doesn't come as well. The, the scholarship or the attention doesn't come. They start the process late and they end up making a bad decision. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I, 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 you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely a responsibility of the local. Like I, another thing I would say to the kids, like if, if you're from a certain state, like you should know everything about every state school in your state. Like and there's, you and know, there's no excuse here. There's no excuse in this area. Cause there's right. Two- right. Yeah. You should know everything. I mean, certainly like we've had conversations about some schools not doing their due diligence on our kids because you know, if traded places, you'd have six or seven kids from the academy every year going to that said school because of the advantages of being where they are and located. And but yeah, like so many talented players in our academy, but there's so many talented players in just the country. So uh, I think I think it's a mixture of just again being persistent. There's nothing wrong. There, there's a line obviously to like not cross where you're just sending an email a day. Like you don't want to bother the hell out of them to the point that they're like, I don't want anything to do with this kid because now it's impinging on your character. Like you're, you're, you're now bothersome, not persistent. Um, so yeah. balancing that out, but like I'm saying there's, there's little in the mind of like differentiators that like have you being selected over, you know, the eight other kids that are similar to you uh, on paper. So being yeah. persistent through emails and communicating and, and being an honest, respectful person and supplying, you know, the three minute highlight tapes, asking if they want additional video of one of your most recent games. Like these are things you could be doing and you don't need any like scouting network or some kind of like link to things that just, that just, a lot of coaches just end up deleting that. Just like, just very personal email, video attached, like very clean. If we ever have events again or turn out the games, like just your schedule, your your jersey number, the dress of the field, the whole thing, and that that's your best way of building, you know, a relationship rapport. And then like when it comes down to it, like being a differentiator and whether a school decides you're the right guy, because like I said, there's a lot limited resources, a limited space, and and. Uh, yeah. The, the issue for me too is that everybody claims they want to play Division One. That's fair enough. You want to play Division One. You're a competitive guy. You want. You think that's the, the the best pro track. You want to push yourself. Whatever excuse you can say for you only want to consider Division One. But then the other issue is that guys who claim they want to play Division One will email ten Division One schools and forget about the other one hundred and ninety. You know, and like, you know, there's everybody's emailing the 10 most popular division one schools or everybody's going after the ACC or the Big Ten or whoever won the the national championship last year. Like I bet Georgetown's getting blown up right now Yeah. or everybody's going after, you know, just who was in the final four. So the issue is that you don't really explore everything even division one has to offer, let alone division two, division three, NAIA as we go. And then my last point was that, you look at just that GA Cup. So, you know, you had a, a really good event there where we had some, some good results. And, like, you take the results aside, there's four teams at that GA Cup. And if you're a, you're a coach there watching that GA Cup, uh, and a lot of the coaches will go to, the, you know, the, the Salt Lake League for two days. 
and then they'll fly to whatever, the Toronto leg for two days. So now they've seen eight teams. And then there's three other pods going on with four other, you know, four other teams each. So you see how quickly it becomes ultra competitive of even a DC kid has to compete against all the other MLS kids, you know, to stick out that weekend. And, you know, the Philadelphia union winger looks just as good as, as our guy did, or, you know, better, or, you know, the, the new England center mid had a, had a hell of a showcase or whatever it is. So it's like, it's so competitive and that's what people fail to admit or recognize. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I don't know, but uh, it's been about uh, 90 minutes. So I want to wrap it up there. Anything else that you want to, uh, to end with any other advice or anything you want to plug that you're like involved with now or anything there? Uh, um, I don't know if I can plug uh, watching my three yeah. kids all day. Um, <laughs> it's a big but, one. Though, man. But uh, no, I, I think for, you know, you guys are in a, in a difficult moment and, I think there's been a lot of good stuff in here and I think you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lean on your coaches right now a little bit, but you gotta do the work um, and control the things you can. And that's your communications with a bunch of schools. And I, but I, I mean a bunch, like really, really go outside your comfort zone. If you heard something you even liked a little bit about a service Academy, like I didn't tell you everything there is to, and I'm sure I cut, I sold it short, but like, do some research about it. Those things are online and there's all these, all these resources online that just allow you to, Hey, that might be something I'd be interested in. Or I I never thought about playing in the Midwest, but maybe that could be something I could do. Or, I don't know. I, am I, am I, am I looking at a D3 program just be that could maybe be a better fit than the D1 that's actually talking to me. I mean, you got to find the place that you're going to feel like you're going to grow. Um, both with the soccer and without the soccer. Um, And you do that, you give yourself a good chance of like enjoying your four years during a really wonderful moment. And uh, even if the soccer isn't hundred percent perfect, because um, you know, with that, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to grow as well. So I, I think castle wide net do your work during this time and don't, don't rely on like some magic occurrence happening or just like, you know, the fall being just like opened up in a few weeks and you can just get back to games. And now the coaches are just going to see you now. Just control the things you can, cast a wide net and just be honest and a good person because those are going to be, that's going to be the main differentiator on whether they take you or someone else. And if there is, you know, if they're splitting hairs with a final decision. So that'd be my piece and good luck. And yeah, no, thanks for having me, Nate. No, it's awesome to catch up with you. Uh, appreciate the time and the insight. I think some really valuable and unique experiences and, uh, you know, always get good to catch up with you. I owe you a coffee, so I'll, uh, I'll be in touch. All right, man. Sounds All good. All right, man. Later. Thanks. Bye. Yeah.